You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, episode number 42. All right, so last week's episode was titled, Has Liesl Had the Baby Yet? Maybe. And this week's episode is, Liesl has definitely had the baby, but not yet when I'm recording this intro. Still pregnant, guys. It is Monday, um, a week before this episode is supposed to come out. So I'm 40 and three today. Um, but I would hope by 41 and three, I've had the baby. So yeah, that's what's going on. But yeah, 40 and three today. Um, it's frustrating because I went into labor at 40 and three with Walter and I delivered him in the early morning of uh, 40 and four. So, you know, kind of went the second one. You're thinking that, okay, probably going to not be that long, but I guess it could be. Um, But yeah, here I am sitting at 40 and three and no baby, but all good. If you're in my same situation or you've been in my same situation, you understand how frustrating it is. Um, whenever people are asking you things and just, you know, everybody's just on the edge of their seat. Um, so yeah, but enough without, about that. Um, I would hope that when this episode is airing that my baby, maybe I'll, maybe I'll be at the hospital. Maybe I'll be at home. I don't know, (laughs) but it's a week from today. I'm trying to stay positive guys. So today we are doing a birth story with my friend Ashley. She came onto the Mommy Labor Nurse podcast I recorded with her uh, a few months back during all of the lockdown stuff. I was at home recording recording my episode with her, and she had a very unique birth story. So she's had three children, and we talked about all three of those, and she's had a variety of different stories. With her first one, she was diagnosed with pregnancy-induced hypertension at 24 weeks, put on bed rest at 28 weeks, and then induced at 36 weeks when her blood pressure spiked really, really high. Um, And she was also diagnosed with preeclampsia at that time. And then during that labor, um, baby turned breech while she was actually in labor. So she ended up having a C-section with that one. The next one, she was diagnosed, same thing, pregnancy-induced hypertension at 32 weeks. She had a little bit of complications at 34 weeks. Her fundal heights weren't measuring um, by ultrasound. And her baby actually got diagnosed with IUGR, which is intrauterine growth restriction, if you've heard me talk about that. It's basically where the placenta isn't exactly giving baby enough nutrients, and it can cause baby to kind of grow a little bit smaller. So she was induced with that pregnancy at 37 weeks and she had a successful VBAC, but baby was tiny, four pounds, almost five pounds. And then her most recent child, who is six months old, I'm sure he's probably eight months old now. (laughs) She was again diagnosed with pregnancy induced hypertension, but not until 35 weeks with this one. And with that baby, she was induced at 37 weeks due to pre- the preeclampsia. His head actually was kind of sideways, so he kind of got stuck in the process. She had a vacuum extraction with him, um, and he was finally born vaginally, but he wasn't breathing so well and needed some resuscitation afterwards. And then he also had what's called a large hematoma on his head, and even she said a possible fracture on his skull, which was really scary. She definitely had some issues with him because of that. Um, So his hematoma, that big old um, 
hematoma is basically just like a big collection, like a big bruise almost, collection of blood. Um, It was so bad on his head that it actually caused him to have a little, have a whole lot of jaundice. And so he had to stay in the hospital for a while because of his bilirubin. His bilirubin was really, really high. He almost had to have blood transfusion. So she talks about, so she's just got it all. (laughs) She's got a lot to talk about. Um, So I wanted to have her on because she just, yeah, had an array of things going on with her, a lot of different outcomes. And yeah, thought it was a really interesting interesting story for you guys to listen to. So without further ado, let's get into Ashley's story. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where we firmly believe in the power of education when it comes to giving birth. Tune in each week as we dive into pregnancy-related topics, expert interviews, and a variety of birth stories. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now, here's your host, educator, registered nurse, and fellow mom, Liesl Teen. Hi, Ashley. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Can you just start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and your family, where you're from, all that good stuff? Yeah. So I was born and raised in Colorado. Um, Now I live in Columbus, Ohio. I have um, three children. So I have Ellie, who's six, Lucy, four, and Ryan just turned one last week. Awesome. So you're busy. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) pretty busy. (laughs) Cool. Well, we are doing a birth story today, guys, and I'm happy if you want to talk. I know all of your birth stories had a similar theme, right? Um, So I'm happy if you want to just kind of go through um, all of them. I mean, we have we have a while, so you can just kind of start. I usually tell people to kind of start with way back when you kind of found out you were pregnant with your first one and, you know, if you had any fertility issues or anything um, with that pregnancy and then, and then, yeah, we can go into your second and your third. So yeah, let's go back to, to pregnancy number one. Yeah. So pregnancy number one, um, we pretty much got pregnant right away. Um, Wasn't too much of a challenge, but I started having some serious cramping around six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so called the doctor, they did a progesterone test and found that my progesterone level was really low. Oh. So they, um, put me on progesterone pills, um, for the next, I believe six weeks it was. Okay. Um, anyway, so yeah, it was like my, my body was like, Oh, you don't have enough progesterone. It's kind of like I was going to start having a miscarriage, but luckily we stopped that. Oh, good. Um, good. Yeah. And then uh, when I was about 24 weeks pregnant, my blood pressure shot up. Um, and so they started monitoring me a bit more. And then at 28 weeks, um, my doctor put me on bed rest due to uh-huh. preeclampsia and gestational hypertension, um, which, I mean, I was glad I didn't have any other kids, but bed rest is hard. (laughs) No kidding. I mean, especially being, I feel like it's even harder when you're pregnant too. (laughs) Yeah. Like you think you just want to rest all the time when you're pregnant, but it's not fun just laying in. I mean, 
I've, I've been like, I was kind of sick last week and I, I, I was just kind of laying in the bed for two days. I'm like, I, I just can't get comfortable. How do people yeah. do this for weeks? <laughs> yeah. That is the main problem was I can't, like, I couldn't do anything except pretty much get up to pee. Yeah. Um, but it's like, you're not comfortable laying in certain positions. And so then I, you keep tossing and turning. And my husband would leave me a cooler next to the yeah. couch with Ooh. food so that I'd have food before he left for work. Um, but it was awful. And I had severe um, morning sickness with her. Oh, and so yeah. it was also like, okay, I'm bed rest, but also wanting to puke all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so oh. yeah, it was, it was not fun. Um, so then we started doing uh, twice weekly appointments, um, and doing NSTs throughout all of my appointments. And she was doing okay. Like baby was doing fine, but my blood pressure just kept increasing. Um, it was getting to like 200 over 110. Um, and then like, I think it was anyway, it got even higher than that. It kept increasing my medication until finally my doctor said, I cannot increase your medication any longer. Yeah. And so that's when she sent me to the hospital. I mean, before that, I was actually, she pretty much sent me to the hospital every week yeah, <laughs> for them yeah. to monitor me for the preeclampsia. Yeah. Um, but finally, at this point, she was like, nope, we're going to take this baby. So I was 36 weeks. Okay. Um, and they gave me steroids to help with lung development. And they actually gave those to me when I was about 30 weeks because I was always in the hospital and they just didn't know. Yeah, that's common. They do that. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, um, the induction process and labor, she decided to flip to breach. Mm-hmm. And, um, so by the time they just like her heart rate started dropping and so they came in and they discovered she was breech, but I was dilated at an eight already. And she was already starting to move down the birth oh. canal. Not yeah. a great time to find out your breach. <laughs> no, it was, it was not a great time. So yeah, they um, had to rush me in for a C-section um, and just the emotions yeah. when you weren't planning at all to have a C-section. Like I, I didn't even think that that was the route I was going to go down, especially because I was already induced. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> I mean, when they tell you one thing and then all of a sudden, like in a few minutes, it's like, oh, wait a second, you got to, you got to completely switch your mind this way. Yeah, no, that's tough for anybody to handle. Yeah, it was it was a lot of emotions going through my mind. I was hyperventilating. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they were like, you have to calm down. We're going to have to knock you out because yeah. <laughs> your heart rate's not doing well. Yeah. Um, C-section went fine. Everything went fine. Um, they took my daughter to the nursery for a little bit to monitor her. Um, and she wasn't really crying much, but mm-hmm. she was breathing. And my husband went with her and he said it was, it was interesting because you couldn't really hear her. It was just like a squeaking because she was so yeah. tiny, yeah. but she didn't have any NICU time at all, which was awesome. Um, and I was finally able to see her after like that recovery time, but it really messed with like the breastfeeding mm-hmm. process um, because they gave her, they did give her bottles in the hospital because she was five pounds. And so they wanted to make sure that she was gaining before she left and that just kind of just made it so that she just wanted bottles. <laughs> so yeah, that's common. Uh, just the nipple yeah. confusion up front and and it probably 
it didn't help that she was smaller, you know, her gestation, like she was only 36 weeks, her mouth wasn't huge. Like she was already kind of, you know, they started with the bottles early. So she was already kind of used to like, okay, this is a bottle. I'm used to a bottle. I don't have any interest in, in right. feeding. So yep. yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. So that was the recovery from the C-section. Um, not the best. And yeah. Yeah. after that, um, just like mentally I had to recover from the C-section, but also physically. So after that, I really started researching VBACs mm-hmm. because I just wanted to avoid another C-section if I could. Sure. So I started researching VBACs, made sure that I didn't get pregnant too soon, you know, so that I had enough time in yeah. between my C-section. And um, so then when we decided we were ready for another, um, again, we got pregnant right away. Um, and this time things are going pretty good. I got, you know, to like 24 weeks and there's no problems. And yeah, so great. we just kind of went about doing my regular appointments until I hit 34 weeks. Um, and then I like, I had a sinus infection actually. So I went to my regular oh. doctor and they said, do you know what your blood pressure is? And so that's when I called my OB. Um, because my blood pressure again went up. So they started monitoring me again with NSTs. And at 35 weeks, um, my measurements were off on my, um, my uterine measurements. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they decided to do a, an ultrasound. And on the ultrasound, they found that my daughter was IUGR. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were like, we're just going to monitor you closely, um, come in, you know, twice a week again, do NSTs, make sure everything's okay. But at 36 weeks, her heart rate was awful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So they admitted me to the hospital again. Um, and while I was there, they managed to get her heart rate back to normal. So my doctor told me, I'm going to give you until you are exactly 37 weeks, and then we're going to induce you. Yeah. Because unfortunately, my daughter, again, flipped to breach while I was in the hospital 36 weeks. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, it, it's crazy. Like, I went in and she was not breech, and then there was this time that they couldn't find her heartbeat, uh-huh. and sure enough, it was like... She was breech. It was like way up. Yeah. 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 Yep. And so she, my doctor said, I will give you until Saturday to get her to switch. Yeah. Um, and then we'll have to think about what to do, but luckily she did flip back head down. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you, you have to be kidding me. Yeah. For real. <laughs> How is this happening again? Um, so yeah, so with her, um, so they induced me with Pitocin only. Um, and actually the hospital had never done an induced VBAC before. So oh, kitty, yeah. Kitty pig. <laughs> yeah. So I had to wait till they like typed up the legal paperwork oh and everything. Gosh. Yeah, it was it was kind of crazy. <laughs> now let me ask you one question uh, yeah. that I was thinking of with your first one too. Did you have to stay? I know you said with your first one you were kind of in and out of the hospital, like you got sent to the hospital a lot of the time for your blood pressures. Yeah. Did you have to stay inpatient a whole lot, or was it just no. that you got you got sent and they monitored it and then you, then you got sent home? Yeah, I was usually there for a day or two, and then okay. they sent me home, okay. especially with my first. I was usually there for two days, gotcha. and then I would go home for about a week and then come back for two days. Yeah. Um, and with times. my second, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
with my second, I was just there for the day. Yeah. Um, okay. When they finally got her heart rate stable. Gotcha. And so, yeah, I went home for that week and just like walked a lot trying to get her head down. Um, and then, yeah, so they started the induction with Pitocin. Um, and there was a while that I was, I just stalled at a five. And so there was a while that they were like, we might have to do another C-section. Um, but this is where I have to thank every labor and delivery nurse. <laughs> because <laughs> my nurse was amazing and good, good. pulled out like every trick in the book that she could and got me fully dilated. And it was amazing. That's um, awesome. So yeah, so my daughter, as I was pushing her heart rate dropped again. So they used the vacuum to get her out. Um, And she was even smaller than they predicted. She was four pounds, 14 ounces um, at 37 weeks. Yeah. So that's a tip. I mean, that's a typical IUGR baby. You know, people, sometimes people, it's, it's hard to understand true IUGR from just having like a small baby. It's much different than just having like IUGRs truly where they're not growing because they're not getting enough nutrients, you know, like something's wrong with placenta or, you know, obviously in your case, it was probably hypertension related where like, you know, the blood flow wasn't, wasn't completely, you know, going, (laughs) going great through your placenta. So it was nourishing baby. Um, So, but it's, you know, much different than just having like, quote unquote, like a small, a small baby. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that sounds like an IUGR baby to me. Four pounds yeah. She, weeks. yeah. Yeah. It was kind of crazy that she was even smaller than my first. Yeah. Um, and she was actually very healthy. They didn't have to send her to the NICU either. Oh, good. Um, it was quite amazing. Um, so yeah, the, it was just amazing. The difference in my birth experiences with those two. Yeah. Because after the C-section, I had this like wallowing mourning period. Mm-hmm. Um, but after my second daughter, I was elated. And um, it was just like this instant bonding with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like, I mean, she got a breastfeed right away. She got to, I mean, everything wow. was just. Even at, even at that tiny, she was able to yes. breastfeed. Wow, that's she, great. She, she was amazing. I was surprised. She was my champion. She's a little fighter. <laughs> She's like, I wasn't getting enough inside, but now I'm going to do everything I can to get yep. <laughs> to grow on the outside. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, she's still tiny now, yeah. smaller than her friends, but yeah, yeah she's, she's feisty. So, <laughs> that's great. um, so yeah, after that, my husband and I were both kind of like, okay, we need it. If this is how it's going to be every time, maybe yeah. we should think about it yeah again um so with my son when we got pregnant with him I started on baby aspirin okay um and he was like the one pregnancy where he was completely fine so they kept monitoring me just to make sure because of the IUGR history um but he was totally fine. My blood pressure went up a little bit, but it wasn't to the point where I needed medication. Um, Good. You know, so it was, it was gestational hypertension, but it wasn't like severe. Yeah, that's great. And remind me, uh, I know you'd, you obviously needed the medication with the first one um, to where they kind of maxed you out. And that's 
very common for anybody who's listening, who's like experiencing, not common in terms of you're maxing out on your medication. We don't, you know, most people don't get to that point, but that's kind of the, that's kind of what they try to do, you know, instead of just saying, okay, we got to induce that, you know, super, super early. They try to get you as long as they can. Um, But remind me with your second one, did they have to do that as well to basically max out your medication? They did not actually. Okay. Okay. Um, Yeah, that was more the um, the IUGR that was the problem. Yeah, yeah. no, it makes sense. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Go back to your son. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so they monitored me just to make sure that everything was going fine. Yeah. His growth was fine. We had extra ultrasounds just to make sure. Yeah, good. He was completely in the 50th percentile, completely normal. Um, but because of my hypertension, they were monitoring me a little closely. Um, so again, I was induced at 37 weeks with him because my blood pressure skyrocketed in that last couple of days right wow. before he was born. Yeah. Um, so I was in the hospital like two days before he was born. So maybe um, your body's just like, Hey, we can't do a full term. We got, yeah. we got it. We're done at 37 weeks. Yeah. <laughs> with all of these pregnancies. Yeah. I know. It's like, I don't think I'll ever make it to like 40 weeks. Probably not. Probably <laughs> not. Um, so yeah, so they induced me that time with a Foley bulb, uh-huh. um, and it was a huge difference in, um, the process. I, I really like the Foley bulb a lot better than the Pitocin. Oh, you're probably the first one to say that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Most people hate those things. Well, see, it's, it might be a little bit different. Did uh, you're saying you never got Pitocin at all with him? I did after. Afterwards. Okay. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's very different. Uh, with like a first time mom, Foley bulbs are super common because they don't, they're, cer- you know, your cervix is usually fair, more closed when, when you're a first time mom. So they're more likely to need something in addition to Pitocin. But yeah, most people hate them, man. You must have, you must have gotten a good one that like was in just the right place and wasn't yeah. like, affecting you too much. Yeah, I liked, like, I couldn't, like, when they first put it in, it was uncomfortable. But after that, course, I didn't really yeah. feel anything That's until good. it fell out. So, good, good. yeah, it was just like a much faster process than the Pitocin. Good. But I was also with a more supportive hospital this time around. Ah, ah. Um, yeah, so that made a huge difference because I moved to Ohio and found a really supportive hospital and doctor. Ah, and that makes it made a huge, a huge difference. difference. Yeah. 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 So he, um, so with his, I again stalled in labor, but I was at a nine with the lip and um, he just wasn't moving down. And okay. so there was a moment they actually had my, like my husband was fully dressed to go do a C-section. They had shaved me. Everything was uh-huh. like ready to go. They were starting to wheel me down because uh-huh. uh, his heart rate had dropped uh-huh. when it went back up that was when they turned off the um, Pitocin mm-hmm. and then they're like, okay, we can't give you Pitocin anymore, but you're at a nine. So hopefully maybe your body you know. will just do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it did not. <laughs> um, so the doctor wanted to put a contraction monitor internally. Mm-hmm. And while I was, um, while he was trying to do that, he asked me to like push down so that he could get his hand in mm-hmm. And it totally like pushed the baby down where then I fully like dilated. So yeah, he was like, all right, let's do this. Um, But baby would not budge. I was pushing for two hours 
and he would not move. Um, finally, we got to the point where he was out enough that the doctor could use the vacuum, mm -hmm. but the vacuum um, he had to use several times. The baby still wasn't budging. Yeah. I think he used it about 20 times until finally oh. the baby turned his head. Yeah. What the doctor thinks happened was the baby's head was turned sideways. And so oh, he yeah, just that's wouldn't. Perfect reason why many moms push for that length of time. It's not because the baby's too big. You know, you think like, oh, my baby's too big. That's why I push for so long. No, it's usually just because baby's head is kind of turned in a funky way. And you're just, if you think about, it's like just hitting a brick wall. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's like a square piece into a, into a circle. Uh, try to, you know, just try it, like trying to like get it in, in a way that it's not like right right there like it just needs to turn a little bit and then we're good and then we can go forward so that makes sense to me that they said that, that yeah that makes a lot of sense because I do remember asking him like can I like if my baby is bigger is this not going to happen he goes no it wasn't the size of your yeah. baby uh -uh. <laughs> um so yeah so finally his head came out and he came out but um I so because they used the vacuum so many times, he had a giant hematoma on his oh. head. Um, oh yeah. It, oh my gosh. It felt so bad. And then he also wasn't breathing really well. Gotcha. So he, they had to put him on the CPAP machine for a little bit um, just because, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't really breathing. And with that bruise, they were a little concerned. Um, so they actually took him when we got up, to um postpartum they actually took him away because they were concerned that he had a fracture on his head Ooh. um and they didn't bring him back for like hours <laughs> i was like okay yeah. what's happening but yeah so they hit it was just that hematoma was so bad and he had a small fracture in his head because of how many times we had to use vacuum on him right um but it also gave me ptsd because oh, I can imagine. Um, yeah. Well, and the doctor like kept sticking his hand up, you know, I mean, it makes sense. He did everything he needed to do, but yeah, yeah. I just, I mean, my epidural didn't work at that point. So yeah. uh, like I got the epidural, but it, it didn't work at all. Um, like when I needed it to work. And so I just had PTSD, PTSD after that. He, um, had to be in the hospital for a week because his bilirubin levels shot up to 24. Mm -hmm. yes. um, yeah. Which they almost put him in the ICU because once it got to 25, that's when they were like, we're going to have to do ICU yeah. um, because of that hematoma and his body was like, just couldn't break it down. And how big was he? Remind me. He was six pounds, 14 okay. ounces. So he was your biggest baby, but still yeah. little. And I mean, if people, um, it, it's kind of hard to explain, but it, you know, it's just babies don't have a lot of blood because they're so tiny. So, like, if you have this big hematoma where all this blood has kind of rushed to and all and and all of these lysed, you know, blood cells are up here, it can really like shoot up your bilirubin levels. And I'm sure he was super yellow <laughs> when he saw him. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, that's. That's no fun. Well, I'm glad that he did. He ever get to that point where he had to go to the ICU? He didn't. There okay. were twice they almost took him, but luckily, 
way um, after adding an IV, um, he started yeah. slowly working his way back to normal. So good. good. But yeah. So it was um, just kind of crazy. <laughs> I was like, you know, it's interesting because I felt like it was the easiest birth, but then it turned out to be the hardest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and easiest pregnancy, but um, his was the one, the recovery for me was even harder than the C-section. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of weird because I thought the C-section recovery would be the hardest, but for him, it wasn't like physically I was fine. Right. It wasn't the physical recovery. It was more like I was in the hospital with him, so I couldn't focus on myself. Yeah. Um, you know, and had to make sure he was okay. And I was pumping and I was, you know, breastfeeding and I was, you know, trying to get all that done while he was in the hospital. So just kind of crazy but yeah probably not as physically hard to recover from but just emotionally very very hard to recover from right yeah no that that makes total total sense um and i think you he never they never had to give him a blood transfusion or anything for that hematoma right they almost did um when we first got there they were like we might have to let's give him some time but luckily they didn't so Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right. So a week, you said he was in there for a week and then coming yes. home, how was your experience with him? Um, he was actually an amazing baby. Good. I like couldn't have asked for a better third child. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, my second, she had colic and um, it was really hard having a two-year-old who didn't quite understand what was going on and then a colicky baby. But this time around I had a six-year-old or, well, she was five at the time. Um, But she was super helpful. Yeah. uh, You know, like understood, like both of them understood what a baby was and to be gentle. And um, it was, it was huge, like help to have older kids. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was really nice. He, like, he, I mean, he's just really quiet, doesn't really cry a lot. He's really happy. Yeah. So yeah. bringing him home was, like, night and day difference from bringing my second home. <laughs> so. Well, I'm glad that at least you had that experience to kind of make up for the the traumatic experience that you had in the hospital. That yeah. really worked out. It, it did. It was, it was really nice. I was like, okay, I'll take this trade off. Yeah, no, that's great. And were you able to breastfeed him as well? I was, I actually just stopped oh, at a year. Cool. Um, yeah, he, um, he didn't, he actually did not do very well while we were in the hospital, but after that he really took to it. Understandable. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, his head really hurt, you know, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he, he was my rock star, like just breastfed up into a year. Yeah. Um, and I actually was pumping just to like have a stash and mm-hmm. he never needed it. So I donated over 1500 ounces to the oh, milk bank. That's great. That's so great. So yeah. So able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it just made me feel like, you know, I'm doing something. I'm, I couldn't do that with my first. Um, and we needed a lot of help with her just in, I just had a really hard time breastfeeding. And so I was like, at least I can donate yeah. to someone else. Yeah. No, that's great. So it made me feel good. <laughs> I do have one question before we wrap up. Uh, did yeah. you ever have to go on magnesium for any of your births? Did they ever, were they ever like, we need to put you on IV magnesium? 
I did not. Okay. Um, okay. Which was really good. surprising with my first. Yeah. Uh, I was surprised. <laughs> but, yeah. Not even yeah. a preventative because th- at my hospital, I know they do that a lot. Just even a preventative, like 12 hour magnesium, magnesium drip where it's like, okay, we're, you know, you're not dilated, but we're thinking maybe, <laughs> maybe right. things are trending in this, in this direction, but that's good. Cause magnesium, that's a common thing that I think if people are listening who are having a similar experience with pregnancy-induced hypertension, um, you know, you're thinking about it might be preeclampsia, they would put you on a medication called magnesium where um, it just doesn't make you feel too good. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. just an, an IV medication that uh, makes you feel really hot and really tired and just really crappy. <laughs> and you have to be impatient, obviously, when you get it. So I'm glad that you didn't have to do that as well. But I was just curious, just curious. Yeah, it was. Hypertension. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, with how high yeah. everything got. Yeah, it was it was kind of surprising. They didn't put me on it with my first. But. Yeah, yeah, good. And you obviously didn't. I mean, they weren't ever. It was really, truly just pregnancy and Induced hypertension. It was never. They were never really concerned too much about preeclampsia because uh, you said you had that one sinus infection where you probably had a headache, and that could be a sign of preeclampsia. But I guess it really was just your blood pressures that they were concerned about. It's not like you had any lab elevations or you know really really bad headache or any of these other symptoms. So with my first, I did get diagnosed with preeclampsia. My labs all came back high and I had the headaches. With my second, um, I actually felt really good. Um, I didn't, like, none of my labs really came back concerning. Uh, With my son, however, um, like I said, everything with with him was fine until a couple days before. Um, And I I had sudden weight gain, like I gained 10 pounds in two days and, um, and like all the swelling, like I just all of a sudden got swollen. And then my, uh, urine started coming back a little bit higher in protein. So that's when they were like, okay, we'll just induce you. Trending towards that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. sense. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, can you, I know you're on Instagram. Can you just remind listeners if they want to follow you, want to see any pictures that you post or (laughs) anything like that, where they can find you? Yeah. Uh, my Instagram handle is the Boyd tales. Okay. Um, just spelled like Boyd B O Y D. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I'm currently private, but I'll change it to yeah, public. No, it's okay, but you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> if anybody yeah. wants to request and follow you, it might be yeah. any random people want to request and follow you. Um, that's probably where they came from the podcast. So awesome. Well, thank you so much. I think this was a good, good episode, good pregnancy induced hypertension, uh, chocked full episode. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you had, you had three, uh, very, very, uh, uh, hypertensive, uh, experiences. So I think it can help anybody who's kind of going through the same, going through a similar experience. So thank you. Thank you. Are you looking for birth education? Did you know that I have two fabulous birth courses that are super affordable? Well, I do. Head over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast to take a short quiz to see which birth class is for you. When you purchase either birth course, you'll have full access to it forever. And that means it will never expire and you can access it throughout any stage of your pregnancy 
or for any subsequent pregnancies that you have. You'll also gain free access to my Facebook group, linked to the class where you can ask questions about your pregnancy, share your birth story after you give birth, read other people's birth stories, and get to know other members who are in the course. There is also a money back guarantee. So if you are at all unsatisfied with your purchase, please, please send me an email at hello at mommylaborers.com for a full refund. There's really no risk to signing up and I promise you will learn a ton about what's to come when you give birth. As a listener of this podcast, you automatically get 20% off any purchase if you use the code podcastlistener. I've had tons of moms just like you enter these birth courses and have fabulous, wonderful, empowering births because they feel so much more educated about what's to happen. So if you are at all curious about birth education, again, I encourage you to go to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast and use the code podcast listener to save 20%. All right, so that is it for this episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. You probably follow me on Instagram because that's probably where you came from. But if you don't, head over to Instagram and follow me at mommy.labornurse for more. That is certainly where I am most active. I also now have a separate Instagram for just this podcast. So I encourage you to follow my second account at mommylabornurse.podcast as well if you want podcast updates. Again, that is at mommylabornurse.podcast. As always, you guys know that I also have a website where I have tons of articles all about pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, newborn stuff, and more at www.mommylabornurse.com. I want to hear more from you on how much you love this episode of the podcast or how you think I can improve. So leave me a comment on one of my pictures, send me a DM, or send me an email with all the love. All right, guys, I will see you same time, same place next week.